Brew Strong is brought to you by morebeer.com, where a man can brew like a man. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Another hey, fine everyone. episode of uh, Bruce Strong here with my uh, good buddy, John Palmer. And, howdy. Uh, I am Jamel Zanishev, and we are uh, talking in the third hour of our Water Genza, which is water. Uh, water, water, water. We're talking about uh, one of the most important uh, ingredients in uh, a beer. You know, it's 90-some-odd percent of, of, of what makes up a beer. And uh, as John talked about in the very first episode of the Water Ganza, uh, it really uh, can make the difference between uh, a, a very good beer and an excellent beer. Uh, you know, a, a beer that places third place and a beer that places first place. This is, uh, you know, the, the fine-tuning. Once you've uh, kind of mastered the basics of, of the brewing process and you've got your fermentation down and your pitching rates and uh, all that and your sanitation uh, dialed in, this is how you take that extra step. This is how you get to uh, uh, making, uh, you know, really outstanding beers. And what I think a lot of people find... Is that uh, you know they're they've been brewing for a while and uh, they're very good brewers and you'll see this in uh, you know in the national homebrew competition uh, you'll see that people will do well in certain styles year in and year out and in other styles they just can't seem to brew a really great beer an award winning beer in those styles and I think that boils down to water and you know what their local water is right or you know what That's kind right. of adjustments they tend to do. I mean, mm-hmm. you have any other thoughts on that, John? Is, is am I out the out the no, lunch that's, here? That, that's exactly the, that's exactly right. I mean, um, I've I've talked with dozens of brewers that have that you know that seem that seeming handicap. He says, "Oh, you know, my I'm great at pale ales. I my stouts never turn out, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't brew a pale beer. I, you know, my dark beers are good, but I can't brew a pale beer. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the limitation of the water they're working with. Right. Right." Yeah, I, th- I think that uh, uh, it, it has a it has an impact, and you know you can you can take almost any water and brew a very good beer with it, and you can brew mm-hmm. award winning beer with almost any water. You know, right out of your tap, you just strip the chlorine out, uh, maybe boil it, whatever, and uh, you know you can you can make a very good beer. You can make some certain adjustments, and uh, you could you know treat your your mash with uh, lactic acid or what have you, get the right pH, and then uh, you know you can make an excellent beer. But uh, especially in certain styles like, um, you know, Munich Helles, American Light Lager, those, uh, those very simple styles where, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, you know, one kind of malt, uh, you know, that's where water adjustment really, you know, rears its head. And, and you can yeah. tell the difference in, in beers depending on, on that water adjustment. Uh, and I'd say almost the same is true for something like a dry stout. That's another real popular uh, beer with people starting out to brew, because um, 
it's a very simple recipe, dry stout. It's basically pale malt and roasted barley. And the flake barley, uh, you know, whatever. But it's 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 a real simple recipe for dry for you know something like Guinness. And the the difference comes in making sure you have the right alkalinity to hardness balance uh, to to give you the right profile of the beer. Mm-hmm. So uh, what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to walk you through, or John's going to walk you through these. You know, taking a uh, uh, one uh, kind of understand. I'd appreciate if you do a couple things for us, John. Sure. If you could help us understand a water report and what we'd be looking at, and and when we see what, should we say, "Oh, screw it, I'm going to go with distilled water," or, <laughs> "Hey, I'm not that bad off. Uh, a little tweaks, and I could do all this." Uh, you know, that kind of thing. How do how do I read that report? How do I understand it? How do I kind of make a decision about what I need to do? And then uh, once I made that decision. Uh, to, what tools should I use to make my calculations, uh, and then uh, and and then walk me through a recipe and exactly what I do at what time and throw it in and and, and give me some stance. If you do all that in this hour, I think you, you'd be a god to uh, uh, more people than you're already a god to. I will even surprise myself. <laughs> there you go. Well, and, and also, I wanted to mention our fine sponsor, uh, morebeer.com. Uh, the guys at More Beer are very supportive of uh, everything we're doing here at the Brewing Network, and uh, them sponsoring us uh, makes uh, you know this kind of content available. And, uh, you know, it's not uh, just uh, anywhere. You can get three hours of uh, an expert's time uh, uh, kind of filling you in, giving you education on something like water, which... Uh, it was a tricky subject, so uh, mm-hmm. my kudos to uh, morebeer.com and, and the fine guys down there. All right, John, uh, start me off with, uh, what I say to start me off with? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, how, does, how does style enter into this, I guess? Okay. And uh, as, we, as we said the first there, um, you know, you've got, you've got, Light beers and you got dark beers, and often people can brew one, you know, group of styles well and not the other. You know, they can brew either dark styles well or light styles well, and that's due to the water they're starting with, what the resi- what the residual alkalinity of their water is. Mm-hmm. If their water residual alkalinity is in the minus sixty to zero range. That's good for pale beers. And, if it's in, and I can find this on the – my municipality yeah. sends me a water report like once a quarter like yeah. or maybe twice a year, something like that. And it has all these numbers, pages and pages of numbers uh, yeah. and averages of, of what, they, what water they push through the pipes. And yeah. so you're saying this residual alkalinity I can, I can find in that report. Mm, almost. Okay. What you can find in the report is um, – you should be able to find your calcium parts per million, your magnesium parts per million, mm-hmm. and your total alkalinity as calcium carbonate. Okay. Uh, sometimes you'll see your bicarbonate concentration, mm-hmm. uh, but really the total alkalinity that's the most useful number. Okay. Um, if you don't see if you don't see calcium parts per million, you just see like total hardness as calcium car- carbonate. Uh, you can you can kind of estimate what your calcium is and your magnesium is by assuming that your calcium to magnesium ratio is about 
um, three to one or four to one. Mm-hmm. So if you see, you know, calcium at um, or total hardness as calcium carbonate as um, I don't know, throw another fifty. You know, go through the conversions in in chapter fifteen of my book to um, say, you know, pretend that all of that is calcium, and uh, and that'll give you a number of about say forty parts per million calcium, and then of that forty, estimate that it's about ten parts per million is magnesium. And that'll, that'll get you in the ballpark. Okay. And, and um, just to, so everybody knows, uh, the book you're talking about is How to Brew. It's one of the, uh, the seminal tomes on uh, brewing from start to, to expert level. And uh, you can get it available. I think they're signed copies in the Brewing Network store, brewingnetwork.com. Uh, that's go right. There, you pick up a copy of that. John gets like two cents, and the Brewing Network uh, makes some money off of that, and it helps uh, support the programming. So yep. if you don't have it, it's an excellent book. I, I give it as gifts uh, to friends who are interested in brewing, and uh, you should have a copy if you don't. All right. Uh, so Chapter 15 uh, has that advice in it, right? Yeah. Chapter 15 is where I go into all this residual alkalinity and water for all grain brewing, where I really break it down to the nuts and bolts like we're talking today. Okay. Um, so, yeah, in your water report, you want to look for calcium, magnesium, and total alkalinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also want to look for your sulfate and your chloride because that'll give you, you know, an estimate of uh, what the the flavor profile of the final beer will be, mm-hmm. um, and help you adjust those. And we talked in, uh, I think it was uh, episode one of the Water Gans uh, about uh, the ratio of the chloride yes. to the sulfite affecting the bittering to the malty kind of balance. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, so. Use use uh, these three mineral uh, levels, calcium, magnesium, bicarbonate, or total alkalinity, to calculate your residual alkalinity for your water. And then you can go to the nomograph in my book, in the back of the book, or you can go to my spreadsheet online. Um, I forget what the name of the spreadsheet is, but it's on howtobrew.com in Chapter 15. Uh, or you can just do a general search. And you'll find it. But anyway, from that from that residual alkalinity, uh, you can you can look at the nomograph. You can use the spreadsheet to, to to estimate what color range of beer styles will best fit that water. And that's what we're, I'm saying. Where if your residual alkalinity is in the minus sixty to zero range, that water is best suited for pale beers. You know, uh, golden yellow to light amber. If it's in the zero to 120 range, then you're good for the um, pale amber to dark amber to you know copper colors. If you're above um, 120, 120 on up to 250, uh, that's where you want to brew the brown ales and the porters and the stouts because the amount of acidity those beer styles have in their dark malts will balance that extra alkalinity, the residual alkalinity that the water has. That's what the name of the game is, is balancing. You always want a mash pH in the um, 5.2 to 5.4 range at mash temperature and 5.4 to 5.8 range at room temperature because the measured pH will differ due to temperature. 
And that's all explained in the book, too. But uh, the, the bottom line is that you, no matter what style you're brewing, you want your mash pH to always be in the mid-fives. And uh, when you look at the nomograph, it can be confusing. And I've had people email me about this. They'll say, oh, I'm looking at the mash pH number on your nomograph against this residual alkalinity. So if I want to brew a stout, do I want to have a mash pH of 6? No, you don't. You always want your mash pH to be down in the mid-fives. What that what that pH scale is there for is it's saying if you were brewing with two-row pale malt only or pilsner malt only uh, with your water that had a residual alkalinity of, say, 200, your mash pH would be 6 or 6.5. That's, that's what the nomograph is saying, that a base malt only mash with a high residual alkalinity water would have a high mash pH. Uh, to counter that high mash pH, you add dark malts to it. You don't you don't brew a base malt only mash, and by using dark malts, you bring that mash pH down into the mid fives where you want to be, because that's that mash pH drives good conversion, and it drives uh, good you know fermentation and, and other brewing reactions, and gives you the beer pH that you're looking for that helps express uh, the beer the beer's flavors in, in, at the end. Okay, so. You know, for for the people listening along, at what point do they look at the nomograph, look at the water report, and at what point do they say, well, I need to give up on my water and, you know, uh, good question. cut it in half or, uh, you know, start with distilled or, you know, what have you? Yeah, if you live in Texas or Minnesota, well, okay, northern Minnesota, um, yeah. <laughs> People there generally, uh, typically have high alkalinity water. And high alkalinity water is great for brewing stouts. Um, but, you know, they'll have trouble brewing pale beers. So they, it, it, you don't necessarily want to give up, but you want to understand your playing field. You want to understand what your water is best suited for and understand what you need to do to change it, to brew a different style. Um, and uh, if you're if you're in a high alkalinity area and you're trying to brew a pale beer, um, you can increase the hardness of the, of the water with you know gypsum or calcium chloride additions in the mash. That will, I mean, typically, well, not actually, the in some areas you know you'll have simply high alkalinity and low. Uh, calcium and magnesium, so you can raise the calcium and magnesium levels to balance out that alkalinity. Um, so it's the ratio; it's not the total number necessarily, but the ratio that that's right. important. Yeah, and you can you know you can brew, and I think that's that's where uh, Dortmunder Export is a good example. Say compared to another a German Pils or uh, Munichalis's uh, or uh, or Pilsner beer. You can have nearly the same color in a Czech Pilsner as you do in a Dortmunder Export, somewhere around, say, um, a five, a five or a six beer color, which would be, um, what, 10 EBC. Um, but you, you can, in a Pilsner beer, um, one that's brewed in, in Czechoslovakia, in Pilsen, you'll have a lower total mineral cap profile in that water 
than you do in Dortmund um, that'll have a typically higher mineral profile, but the residual alkalinity of the waters is the same, and the beer color is the same. Now, the beers don't taste alike. That's that's a big difference. I mean, the beers don't taste the same, but um, you know you've you've got the same color and uh, that dry. You get the same uh, beer pH out of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, a, another option in in adjustment. So so in one case, you're saying you can uh, just adjust the ratio, and yep. it, it it turns out uh, you know that'll work. But uh, we're talking maybe the difference between a Dortmunder export and uh, you know a German Pilsner, and that's right. part of the influence there that makes that style that way. The other option is, of course, to take uh, you know uh, water with no minerals in it or very little minerals in, it, like reverse osmosis or deionized right. or distilled right. water, and you add that uh, to your tap water. Now, if I take fifty uh, percent uh, distilled water and fifty percent tap water, can I just assume that the uh, the all the minerals and stuff are one half the level that they were before? Yeah, generally. Okay, so it may be it may be a little bit different, a couple percent, but generally it's it's half. Good good enough for uh, for brewing, right? right so right. so uh, you could take uh, anything that you have and cut it, you know, by half or you know three quarters or or whatever percentage you want to kind of dial into whatever levels. Um, assuming all your ratios are okay, then you'd mm-hmm. be all right to to brew a a pale ale. Is that is that what we're saying? Say say you got stout water. And uh, you yeah. add enough uh, distilled water, and all of a sudden you can brew a uh, a German Pilsner. Yeah, just about. I mean, you, again, it's a question of ratios, and you've cut your you've cut your alkalinity in half, but you've also cut your hardness in half. Mm-hmm. Now, um, what you'll probably want to do, especially in the case of a pale lager, um, is you know. To, you may not have uh, enough calcium left in that diluted uh, water to get good flocculation and get good clarity. And, uh, you know, the the fermentation might suffer a little bit compared to one where you had good calcium in it. So uh, even when diluting um, water, I, I do recommend looking at your numbers and bringing up the calcium levels to at least 50 parts per million just to to have good fermentation uh, chemistry. So there's certain minimums you want of the yeah. various uh, minerals in order to have a, a good fermentation and proper flavor profile. If you use just distilled water overall, you end up with a pretty insipid beer, other than uh, if you're yes. extract brewing, right? Right, that's right. Yeah, and calcium calcium is really the only requirement. Okay. Um, if you're if you're brewing a high adjunct beer, then you may want to um, add some magnesium too. If you're adding you know calcium to distilled water, uh, because um, your magnesium will come from the malt. But if you're using a lot of say sugar adjuncts or something, uh, you may want to to increase the magnesium levels too to make sure the yeast get enough. Um, but generally, calcium is the one you're you're mainly watching for. Okay. All right. So let's take a short break, and when we get back, uh, John, if you could walk us through uh, brewing one of the recipes from Brewing Classic Styles, as far as uh, you know, getting the right mineral profile. Back yeah, after we'll do. this. 
Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Finn. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire her up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. And the new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. Got a new regulator for the brew sand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kennels, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The The More Beer beer Deal deal of the day. Day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the More Beer Deal of the Day at morebeer.com. Celebrity Voices Impersonated. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Catherine the Great Imperial Stout, are the perfect accent to Riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, special rotating taps, and happy hour all day Mondays. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. White Labs, your source for maltose mowing monsters, announces the White Labs Platinum lineup for 2009. Looking for out-of-the-ordinary yeast to make the best beer possible? The Platinum strains from White Labs are only available for a limited time and make your homebrew stand out. Through February, find Australian Ale, Essex Ale, and Dusseldorf Alt Yeast. March and April, it's Nottingham Ale, Abbey 4, and Mexican Lager Yeast. And May through June, don't miss Premium Bitter Ale, Belgian Wit 2, and Belgian Bastogne Ale Yeast. Keep up with all the great yeasts in the White Labs Platinum Program at whitelabs.com, where you can also join the White Labs Customer Club. Brew with the freshest and most unique yeast with the White Labs 2009 Platinum Strains. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Ewa, what's your feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. It's the Brewing Network. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. We're back. Part of our water ganza. 
three episodes of water with my buddy John Palmer. You know, I went out to uh, refill my pint glass with more of uh, uh, producer Chad's uh, fantastic shatastic beer, and uh, and he's asleep. He's out he's, uh, he's got his laptop set up. He's listening to the show. He's like, "Oh, you guys are doing like three hours of water." He's like, "Oh, killer! I got to listen to this." So he sets up his laptop. He's out in the old lawn chair, snoozing away. <laughs> so I snuck out there, got another pint of his, his excellent beer. I do it every time. Just put him well, right to sleep. You know, and I, yeah, <laughs> the dulcet tones of your, uh, yeah. I, 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 you know, uh, of all the people, um, yeah, I'm thinking, well, yeah, his beer's freaking excellent already, so I guess yeah. he, can, he can go ahead and sleep through it. it, it, it really, <laughs> really, that's okay in his case, you know. But he, you know, he loves learning about uh, everything about brewing, and he really wants to know all the reasons why you do specific things and and what he could do to make his beer better. And that's one of the reasons he's he's such an excellent brewer. Um, it's 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 that kind of attention to detail and and thirst for knowledge. Mm-hmm. Now, does he? Does he brew dark beers very often? Uh, yeah, I, I'd say uh, yeah, he's pretty balanced. He brews pretty much everything. Browns and, and porters, he likes. Yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. And uh, so I've had his pale really, beers, and those are always excellent. All, all his beers are excellent, I, you know. And I think the water here uh, kind of lends itself to that. I think it's a middle of the road, uh, middle of the road, and you can you can do fairly well on either end uh, with the yep. scale of water. Um, but uh yeah it's 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 impressive and i think uh uh you know he 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 does well and does well uh and you know I, i'd say for everyone else out there listening one of the things we wanted to do with this uh water ganza is that uh you know you you'd all get a a good education on uh you know what water means to beer and what you need to do in order to make uh the water the best for the beer you're trying to brew and, uh, you know, feel free to point your friends this way, too. Anytime, you know, the, the conversation of water comes up, uh, hopefully you can turn back to this and uh, all the answers will be in here. If not, you know, write those questions down, send them to us, and we'll do a, a fourth show in this series. And uh, we'll get it all knocked out. We want to have all the information you need 100% defined and done and, uh, you know, one place to go for it. So that's that's our goal. If, if You know, we'll probably fall short by some percent, uh, hopefully not not a lot. But uh, whatever we do, we'll, we uh, guarantee you we will we will answer those questions on the air. We'll make, a, make a, you know, one great place to go for water. All right. That's so, our hope, yeah. So, uh, you know, walk me through... Uh, you know, how I build the water for, let's say, um, I'm looking to build, uh, to brew a, uh, Czech Pilsner, which, okay. uh, uh, you know, well, maybe that's not a, maybe that's, that's, not a that's where I was going to start. All so. right. All right. Yeah. Well, I think Czech Pilsner. Yeah. Uh, I think I'll using bring classic styles. I'm going to walk everybody through four styles, uh, Czech Pilsner, German Pilsner, Munich Helles and Dortmunder Export, because those four styles uh, illustrate uh, the differences in water and the differences between styles of the same of nearly the same color. Um, you know, in general, you can defi- you can describe um, Czech Pilsner as a 
a balanced beer in terms of its uh, chloride to sulfate ratio and its maltiness to bitterness. It's uh, you know a substantially bitter beer with but with the malt body to back it up, and uh, but it's known to be brewed with a very light mineral profile. You know, not a lot of minerals in the water. Um, everybody's heard that Pilsner water is darn near distilled. So, um, in building water for Pilsen, uh, I will go back to my general recommendation. Um, you know, look, get your calcium up. Uh, start out with distilled water, but build up the calcium level to, uh, you know, to at least 50. Um, and... The chloride to sulfate ratio you want to keep balanced because you don't want um, the you know the hops dominating. You don't want the malt dominating. You want it to be a fairly balanced beer. German Pils, on the other hand, is known to be a uh, a drier uh, form of Pilsner beer. It has uh, a little more the edge of the the balance is a little more to the bitter side, bitingly and, dry and 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 substantially bitter but yeah. i hate to interrupt but let me let me go back to the czech pilsner so sure. um you're saying uh you know you know not not accentuating the bitterness as much and and so the ratio of the water how much adjustment can you make with ingredients to uh to counter that so could could we back off on the bittering uh charge on that on that recipe just slightly and and maybe get a similar result uh, potentially, but it again it depends on uh, what what flavor you're looking for in the final beer. I mean, uh, yeah, you could you could brew it um, with, uh, I guess you know, using using gy- just gypsum calcium sulfate into distilled water, mm-hmm. get your calcium level up to about fifty parts per million. Uh, by doing so, you would have the the chloride to sulfate ratio on the sulfate side Mm -hmm. and so maybe you could reduce your your ibus by Mm -hmm. say you know 10 percent or something like Mm -hmm. that and to kind of trying to kind of uh even out that character a bit you know so so you can come close but it's not going to be the same exactly right The, the the difference being when uh when the calcium sulfite uh uh, ratios are are correct. You, you know, or if you're trying to accentuate bitterness and you, you're increasing your sulfates, and you go, um, uh, you know, you get a kind of a crisper, sharper yeah. uh, taste to the hot bitterness. And right. You go the, the reverse. It's a softer, mellower hot bitterness. And, right. And uh, you know, you can certainly change the amount of bitterness you have in there, but the character of the bitterness comes through differently uh, depending right. on the mineral uh, ratios that you have. And that's, that's why it's right. important to make that change. You can adjust and you can get close, but again, that's the difference between, you know, the, the, the very best beers and the ones that are just shy of being the very best beers. I, right. I don't doubt that you could score uh, 45 points uh, without adjusting your water, but if you want to s- score 49, and nobody gives a 50 anymore, um, <laughs> then uh, you're going to need to tweak that water a little bit. Yeah. And so if you're going to build water for a, for, a Pilsner, for a Czech Pilsner beer, I recommend building that water from a combination of of gypsum and calcium chloride. 
Mm-hmm. So you get half of your calcium from the, the gypsum, the calcium, calcium sulfate, and get the other half from the calcium chloride. That way you keep your, your chloride to sulfate ratio balanced. Mm-hmm. And you'll, you'll maintain, you'll have a bitter beer, but it'll be a more mellow bitterness than the sharp bone drive bitterness of the German pills. Now the German pills, you're going to look at roughly the same amount of calcium uh, in that water profile, but you're going to let more of the calcium uh, come from gypsum, calcium sulfate, than you do from calcium chloride. So your ratio and, of, to the sulfate is is higher on the sulfate side than you would right. on the uh, the Pilsen beer. Right. And um, in in kind of building this water recipe. Um, Munich, Germany, that you know, area of Germany typically has um, a, a more of a medium level of mineral content than the the Pilsen uh, area. So I'd be looking. I would I would look for a target in the, of calcium, and say sixty five to seventy five parts per million calcium. You know, it's a little higher than fifty. Um, I, w- I could go with fifty. Or I could let it drift up to say seventy-five. Um, that's you know I'm in the ballpark for for a German pills, and the uh, you know I'm a, I'm a little over my minimum. But what I'm really looking for in terms of the character of the beer is the chloride to sulfate ratio, and I want that ratio to be on the on the sulfate side. Mm-hmm. Munich Helles, uh, by contrast. You know, brewed in the same, same uh, general region, um, you know, medium uh, mineral content water. Um, again, you're looking for uh, calcium levels in, you know, 50 to 70 range. Um, but now you don't want the sulfate to dominate. You want the chloride to dominate. Municalis is a maltier uh, pale beer as opposed to the bitter, more bitter German pills. So you've got a softer, less bitterness uh, Munich Helles, and to help that along, you, now you take, you know, building the same calcium level, you're using more calcium chloride than you do calcium sulfate. Okay. Um, Dormunder Export is... Uh, is a, a, a balanced beer. Um, generally, it's um, it's got uh, a higher level of minerals overall. And I know you and I have talked. We've we feel that in terms of the style guidelines, maybe that gets overemphasized. In terms of you know, oh yeah, you got to use mineral water to brew the beer style with. Yeah, that that is misleading. What you're looking for is you're looking for a. Uh, a residual alkalinity that uh, you know supports the color of the beer at about a uh, four to six SRM. Um, or I guess the stock line is uh, yeah four to six, um, and uh, so a little darker than say the German Pils or the Helles. Um, but you want to uh, have a balanced chloride to sulfate ratio and you can go with uh, higher calcium levels, and you can go with some bicarbonate to balance that higher calcium um, without uh, without detracting from the style. 
So um, in in building water for a Dortmunder export, I'd probably go with about 200 parts per million calcium, um, you know, some um, 10, 20 parts per million of magnesium, um, 150 uh, parts per million of uh, total alkalinity, and then having the chloride to sulfate ratio balanced at about 100 parts per million for each. Okay, and so you would calculate this uh, out uh, by grams, and yep. in uh, <clears throat> and the reason you use grams is because it's a little more fine, uh, a little uh, more precise, precise than than using ounces on most scales, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, if you can weigh to tenths of grams, it's 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 that's fine, and, and a lot of the scales will do that. Um, uh, and uh, you would calculate this for the total your your mash water plus the sparge water that's going to end up in the kettle, and that's that's well. I would I would plan it, it in two you, steps. You do your plan your mash, addition, do the mash first, and yep. then and then you're going to do the addition for the additional water that ends up in the kettle, right? And that will give right. you your total. Okay, yeah. especially when it comes to building up from distilled, mm-hmm. because really the only the only concern you have during sparging is uh, you don't want to change the mash pH such that the mash pH rises to a 6 and you get a lot of tannin extraction from your mash. Well, if you're sparging with distilled water, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the malts in the mash are going to, you know, as soon as that distilled water hits, it's gonna, the malts are going to buffer that down and right. the pH isn't going anywhere. It's when you're sparging with highly alkaline water that you get, like in northern Minnesota, Texas, uh, Utah, you know, a couple places, um, heavy limestone areas that um, you need to be concerned about your your the pH of the mash during the sparge and tannin extraction and such. But uh, if you're if you're you know building water from distilled, you can. Sp- Barge with distilled water without a care in the world. Mm-hmm. All you want to do is say, I've got you know X gallons of water with I have my my uh, Dortmunder profile and you know in the mash and that's going to the kettle. And I've sparged with you know say five gallons of water into the kettle. I just need to make up that five gallons uh, that I added to the kettle and put mineral in, into that so that. Uh, the beer coming out of the boil, and when you know when you go to the fermenter, is roughly or is the the total profile that you wanted mm-hmm. minus evaporation. So uh, you're talking limestone country, then uh, you're talking cave country, and and uh, yeah. a lot of the uh, uh, I guess Tennessee and Missouri and Arkansas places like that have uh, some good cave country. Right? Yeah, yeah. So they they would be affected as well, and. You know, one of the things, um, so uh, on the sparge water, distilled, but you could also do like a 50-50, you know, uh, distilled oh, yeah. in your tap water and get yourself in the middle range, and then that's fine as well. You're not going to run into a problem there either. And it's right. cheaper for people, you know, buying distilled water or, you know, uh, making your own or RO, uh, you know, as long as you got a lot of uh, water you can waste, uh, RO is actually pretty cheap to make uh, yourself. 
Um, <laughs> but you know, a lot. Of, I think what you did here is 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 brilliant because I think you're you're pointing out the difference in in four very similar beers as far as the uh, recipes go for for uh, Czech Pils, Municalis, uh, a, a German Pilsner, and a Dortmunder. They're not that far off. But they're right. four very distinct styles, and uh, a big part of that, I think, is uh, you know the uh, water profile, like you're saying. I think that's that yeah. really uh, accentuates that. Now, the fact is that most people are really concerned about brewing things like IPA, uh, something like a, an English bitter. Uh, mm-hmm. Or uh, you know even uh, you know a barley wine or a bigger beer like that, uh, you know let's uh, probably one of the most common uh, things would be uh, you know IPAs and ESBs and stuff like that. I'll tell you what, uh, let's take a short break and uh, that'll give you a chance to think about uh, you know how do you how do you really craft the proper water for an for an English IPA, American IPA, or an ESB. We'll be back okay. after this. Keep your carboy cap on. This is Bruce Strong. We'll be right back. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of their 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Their Williams German Pills is mashed with pure German Moravian two-row barley malt for a light blonde color and malty crispness you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out their unique fermenters, draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and more. They even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection and enter promo code BREW at the order checkout for $5 off your next order over $50. Orders placed by 3 p.m. ship the same day. Again, go to williamsbrewing.com and enter promo code BREW at checkout for $5 off your next order. Brewing is easy the Williams way. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months at the next meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Okay, so my double IPA has an ABV of 7.5 and a clarity of brilliant. So that's a plus 8. I pour it. Sorry, looks like she found it unpalatable. Ha! Shut up, Doug. My creek gets a plus 10 versus girls because it's a fruit beer. 
You can't open the bottle. And she walks over to the guy with the Pinot Grigio. This sucks. Oh, I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. What's this? Non-alcoholics anonymous? Dude, get out of here. We're in the middle of a brew session. Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really uh, use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Have you ever been called upon to explain why it's named India Pale Ale? Do you burp Y Yeast 3522 and crap Cascade? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs, ingredients, equipment, and knowledge 24 hours a day at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping, only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the tongue splitter. I've got dry hop stuck in my braces. And the bourbon. And barrel porter. Now on tap in the Mose Eisley Cantina. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right. Water Ganza Part 3. And uh, we're trying to get to the uh, IPA, ESB, that sort of category. Yeah. What I I want to brew uh, a great ESB. I want uh, you know Fuller's, Bass, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know various uh, great uh, English bitters. Right, and I hear Burton on Trent, Burton on Trent, Burton on Trent, um, and I go to my homebrew shop. They get the Burton water salts. They get the five two. They get all this stuff. But any of those, it really depends on the fact that I'm trying to brew an ESB and the water I'm starting with. I mean, help help me out here, John. How, okay. how, do, how do I go about this? What what are my steps? What 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 I look at, and then what do I do? Okay. Well, you know, take Burton on Trent is is a, a benchmark. You know, you hear that it's a high hardness water with a lot of sulfate, high permanent hardness kind of thing. Um, so you know, you can you can safely say, okay, I'm going to be adding you know a lot of gypsum to the beer, but uh, you know, and it, this and we're we're building this from distilled, right? Rather than say. Uh, Building from a, a kind of a medium water. Yeah, sorry, I was having some shatastic here. Okay. Um, right, right. Well, well, uh, both, both. Uh, okay. We're well, going with if we start with building from distilled, then. Okay. All right. Okay. So if you're going to build from distilled, if you simply dumped calcium sulfate into uh, that mash, you know you're going to get to, you're going to get uh, calcium, you know, up to say a hundred parts per million because you want. Yeah, you want a, a decent, you know, 100, 150. You know, want a decent, decent calcium level in there to, to uh, go after the uh, the high mineral character of, uh, of Burton or London. Um, but if you did that alone, you'd have the calcium, you'd have the sulfate, but you would have a very low residual alkalinity, something that's you know uh, good for brewing extremely pale beer. Uh, but not so good for brewing the the copper colored, you know, the deep ambers that you you know, often see in an ESB. Mm-hmm. So what I would recommend there is uh, adding an equal amount of chalk to the to, to your mineral addition to your mash. Uh, 
So add, um, say, four grams of chalk and four grams of gypsum. And this is now, for a, a five-gallon, uh, 18, 19-liter batch, right? Right, yeah. Assuming a mash, assuming like a 1054 uh, beer mm-hmm. um, and uh, one and a half course per pound, mm-hmm. that gives you about 11 and a half uh, pounds of malt and a mash water volume about four and a half gallons. Uh, yeah, about four, four to five grams each of chalk and gypsum will give you, uh, well, looks according to my spreadsheet, about 190 parts per million of calcium, about 180 parts per million of, of bicarbonate. And that balances uh, to give a residual alkalinity of, of six, which gives you a beer, uh, a recommended beer color in this six to 11 range. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right in there for an ESB. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, ESBs are known for the uh, the strong, you know, bitter character of the hops. You know, that punching through the heavy malt, or the you know, heavier malt, to say uh, uh, some like a Pilsner style. And uh, so you're looking at about 200 parts per million of, sulf- of sulfate there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's pretty much all you need for that style of beer. But I, I think that, you know, you're saying that's all you need, but I get the sense from you that, uh, you know, you don't want to just go with, you know, adjusting the sulfate and being done with it for, with, for right. distilled water. It, it's more complex than that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the mineral profile of a water and, and some of those subtle other little compounds in there tend to have an effect on the overall character of the beer. Is that not correct? Right. That is correct. So... Um, so far, we've taken a care of the, the calcium and the sulfate, um, but as as we noted, you know, the SB is also known for a nice round malt character. Uh, it's got some crystal in it, a little bit of some toast character from a, from toast malt or victory malt, mm-hmm. and uh, so to accentuate that, you could back off the calcium. Uh, the gypsum a little bit, and uh, or the chalk, and say fill in with some calcium chloride. Mm-hmm. Get your chloride count up. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also use table salt to do that, but I think you know you you got to play with the numbers on the spreadsheet to get uh, you know and look at your look at the the uh, the profile that you get. But you're looking for decent calcium levels. Um, decent chloride levels to give you some uh, malt uh, character accentuation. But again, that calcium, the chloride to sulfate ratio is still important to the perception of the beer and the style of beer. Okay. Now, let's say you're, you're trying to do that same ESB, but you're starting with uh, water in the, you know, kind of in the mid-range, like we were talking earlier, that's, that's okay. fairly common as far as, uh, let's, let's go with the average uh, across the country versus uh, some of the higher end areas. Sure. Um, our water here in Los Angeles is probably a good example of that. Uh, it's um, kind of a, a medium... Uh, alkalinity um, calcium is about 40 parts per million uh, bicarbonate is uh, around 100 and I think it's about 100 let's see dead Just bodies at, 50 parts per million yeah let me look at a uh, quick profile here and give you some numbers yeah the alkalinity is about 114 calcium is around 68 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Magnesium is 27. Chloride is 90. So, you know, it's a, it's a good kind of middle of the road okay. uh, pale ale water. Um, if I wanted to burtonize this, um, what's my sulfate here? Sulfate, well, um, sulfate's actually already at uh, 244. So. Now, it, but it's the if, ratio that's most important, right? Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking at a cal- chloride to sulfate ratio of. Uh, um, Chloride ninety to two forty four. So this is already is already on the heavy on the sulfate side, mm-hmm. and um, too heavy. <laughs> yep. Well, not, I wouldn't say too heavy, but it's 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 probably adequate to the task. It's if about I was going to two and a half would, to one. Yeah, uh-huh. I would say uh, to to modify this for good ESB. Um, the you know the calcium level is only at about sixty eight, so there's some room there to add to that. I would say add calcium chloride to this water, mm-hmm. bring up the calcium to about one hundred parts per million, one hundred and fifty parts per million. Bring up the chloride to say one hundred and fifty or even two hundred parts per million. Um, the the ratio is still you know on the sulfate side. But now we're we're uh, we're giving that malt character some more support, mm-hmm. and uh, to get to help you know fine tune that beer. Okay, now same water. I want to brew a dry stout. Ah, okay. Um, you're not really looking for for sulfate in a stout. Uh-huh. You're looking for some background bitterness, but it's not a a punchy bitterness. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're looking for more of a, a, a balanced chloride to sulfate, or maybe even a little more to the, to the chloride side, uh, depending on what type of you know what your preference in the stout is. Um, I would, uh, but it, you know, this water, this pale, good medium pale ale water, um, if you brew a stout, especially a, a, a strong stout. With that, you're probably going to end up with kind of a one-dimensional roast character because the dark malts and the stout, again, depending on how strong you make it, are going to drive that pH a little low, a little bit too acidic. And that's going to result in a little bit of acridness um, to that beer. And uh, frankly, I've, I've tasted this beer all over the country. You go to a brew pub. You have their pale ale. They got their they got their pale ale, their their brown ale, and they've got their stout. And the pale ale and the brown ale are good because you're you know you're working with kind of average water around the country. You try the the stout, and it's got kind of a one dimensional roast character. And you say, ah, yeah, that's the stout I've had this before. I like it or I don't like it, you know. But it they're often the same. Um, we did a at the National Homebrewers Conference in Denver a couple of years ago. Did a real neat experiment with a couple of guys there. Um, um, gosh, they blank on their names. Scott and um, sorry guys, should have had this in front of me. Um, but we what we did was we brewed we brewed two beers with uh, pale ale water and brewed two beers with with uh, a, a water that had been generated from distilled for stouts and we brewed we brewed a pale and we brewed a stout and then you switched the waters and brewed them again so we had four beers to taste at the at the conference um the when you we brewed the stout with the stout water 
we had, um, and this was a, a water that had a residual alkalinity of about 200, about 200 parts per million uh, residual alkalinity. Um, the beer color that we calculated using Mosher was about 46. And I used a variety of very dark malts, you know, um, extra special roast from Breeze and black malt and um, roast barley. I mean, I, it was it was a quite a dark beer. But the neat thing was when you brewed that beer with a high bicarbonate water that had the right RA, you could taste and smell each of the individual malts that we had used in that beer. They all blended together, and you could pick them out, and there was a wonderful complexity to that beer. When you brewed that beer with pale ale water that didn't have the supporting alkalinity for those dark malts, now you got a one-dimensional roast beer. It was still a well-brewed beer. It was still a beer that was easy to drink. It, you know, we had They had done a good job brewing it, but it lacked the complexity of the other beer. So well, that's how changing the water can affect your, your beer flavor. And again, I, I think that's what you pointed out so uh, eloquently in the uh, first of the Water Ganza episodes, that uh, uh, here's the difference between uh, a really good beer and just freaking outstanding. I mean, the, yeah. you know, when you put the two side by side, um, you know, same recipe, you know, same great brewing technique, but... Yep. Here's the little thing that puts it over the top. Now, I don't encourage people to go hog wild on water adjustments until they've really worked out a lot of the other basics in the process. You know, um, mm-hmm. it's a it's it's a thing that uh, really does make a difference. But um, you know, don't yeah, you've got to have your fermentation don't, you know, rock solid first. Don't, don't think you know adjusting your water is going to make the difference in uh, you know is going to make up for poor sanitation or poor fermentation. Uh, you know, you, you got to have those processes down. But I, I really do think, uh, John, you, you've done a, an excellent job of really, uh, you know, filling in, uh, you know, giving us an education from, uh, you know, I, I use water when I brew to, all right, you know, yeah, I'm, now I'm, I know I'm how doing to different brew styles. With water. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, you know, water is one of the components that I'm using and I'm adjusting and I'm, I'm, I'm using to uh, make, make the best beer possible. And, uh, you know, I hope that we've, uh, or especially John, has uh, done a great job of, uh, uh, you know, educating everybody and answering all these questions. I think uh, we've probably covered a good 80%. I think there's always 20% out there that we need to, yeah. we need to hit. And, uh, you know, you can always email rock at thebrewingnetwork.com. And that's going re- <laughs> to reach my, my buddy uh, rock, uh, John Palmer. At, uh, and uh, he can he can uh, you know answer a lot of those questions. But what I encourage everyone to do is not just ask John for their questions to f- f- calculate their water for them, but to ask him questions about uh, you know to to learn the process, not to have somebody do it for you, but uh, you know to have him uh, you know. Uh, yeah, what are the thought processes that goes in, go into making these decisions for yourself? Exactly, I mean, the education. And then, uh, John, I think, uh, you know, once you collect, uh, you know, uh, 50 or 100 of these, let's put another show together and uh, yeah. Water Ganza Part 4 uh, we'll put together and we'll, we'll answer all those questions. And I think uh, we'll have a nice full education for people uh, as far as that goes. That'll be a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Justin, we got uh, any questions from the chat uh, 
for this part of the show? We do. A couple quick questions. Um, what's the best acid to use to adjust mash pH? Is there a best acid? Well, it depends on what style you're working with and so on. I, I, okay. I use lactic. Phos- yeah, phosphoric and lactic are readily available at home brew shops. Okay. Um, you know, you realize that you're taking calcium out of solution if you use phosphoric. Mm-hmm. Realize that you're gonna you can potentially add flavor using lactic. I, I, I would I would say this also, uh, John, that if the amount you need to add is going to exceed you know f- <laughs> exceed uh, you know uh, one mil per you know uh, gallon of batch, right? You're making a five gallon batch or a eighteen. Uh, liter batch and you're adding uh, you know more than a mill or two of lactic acid to the mash you're going to start to taste it but yeah. uh, in that range you, you you can get away with it you can you can go uh, you know a mill or two mills and it'll be all right but if you get it past that it's going to start tasting sour uh just to, to adjust that ph so you might want to you know cut your water with some distilled and uh you know try again or you know uh, build the water up from distilled yeah Okay, and likewise, uh, what chemical then is best for adding calcium? Uh, you got a choice. You, you got calcium sulfate, you've got calcium carbonate, you've got calcium chloride. Each of them has has their role depending on which style you're trying to brew. If you're trying to brew a stout, then use the chalk, the calcium carbonate, because you need the carbonates to balance the dark malts. You know, at the same time, we're getting some calcium for you know, good good fermentation health. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're brewing a uh, a pale lager, then you're probably going to want calcium chloride and 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 gypsum. If you're brewing a pale ale, you're probably going to want the calcium sulfate, the gypsum, over the calcium chloride or the calcium carbonate. Depends on style. Excellent answer, John. Okay, and then I love f- that answer. Uh, a follow up to that, and the final question from the chat is: um, Would adding calcium chloride uh, contribute to some off flavors due to the chloride? No, it shouldn't. Okay, so chloride not the same as chlorine, okay. right? Okay, yeah, um, and also when you start looking at a spreadsheet, and I don't care whether you're using ProMash or or my spreadsheet or or Tom's or or you know there's lots of brewing software out there uh you're not adding that much you know you're adding you know a few 5 grams maybe you know to a 5 gallons of water uh so if you're adding spoonfuls you're adding too much <laughs> you know yeah, this isn't the kind of thing where you stand stand with the 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 tin next to your and the spoon next to your mash and just start ladling it in, waiting for the pH to change. Um, that's going about the wrong way. You should calculate it out. It should be on the order of five grams or less. You've added in, stir, wait, you know, five, ten, fifteen minutes. You should see a response in the mash. Uh, but uh, well, you know, check it. Check it with meter. Check it with paper. Here, here's a question for you, John. Uh, last question. And we're, mm-hmm. we're calling it calling it uh, water ganza done. Um, <laughs> in the accuracy of measuring, okay, uh, 
you know, how accurate do you need to be? I've got the triple beam, which I've used to uh, measure various uh, powdered substances before. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do I need that kind of accuracy or do I need, uh, you know, the, the grain scale I have will measure just in grams? And um, is that close enough? That's close enough. I use, I use a postage scale. I just, you know, on the, it, um, I think it does have tenths on there, but I'm not, I mean, being an engineer, I know not to rely on tenths. I mean, you know, if it, if it goes to a tenth place, I'm only counting on an accuracy of plus or minus a half a gram. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm rounding. You know, if it says 8.3, well, I know that's probably close to 8. Mm-hmm. You know, or mm-hmm. uh, or eight and a half, maybe. Um, so yeah, don't get um, don't don't, get don't freak out over and, about it. Uh, right. you know, do, whatever you do, try and be reproducible. This is the thing we we uh, stress on the show is you know try and uh, you know make your process reproducible. So uh, if you're if you're going in and uh, you know the calculations tell you you need eight grams. And uh, you do eight grams, and it doesn't taste quite right. Uh, if you are good in all your other processes, uh, temperature control and fermentation and uh, yeast pitching rates and yeast health and all that, and uh, you're doing a good job of all that, uh, you know, if eight's not right, you adjust it down to seven or six or nine or ten, and then uh, see what the result is there. And then you know it's not a factor of all these other things. Uh, right. You know, you can you can really dial it in that way. And it really doesn't matter what the numbers exactly say. The numbers are a starting point for you as a brewer, as an artist, to uh, kind of dial in the rest of the, the the recipe and the process and, and make your adjustments. And that's that's why reproducibility is so important. Anything excellent. else to add, John? No, that, that's an excellent wrap-up. Okay. Well, I think that's it. I think that's our Water Genza. Many thanks to uh, morebeer.com who uh, sponsor this show and, and keeps us uh, uh, in uh, condoms and, and blow and uh, you know, all the other things we need. And, uh, well, and brewing supplies. That's actually what they keep us in. Uh, so uh, I, I, think, uh, I think it's another great show, another uh show coming up uh can you brew it coming up uh, the uh, opposing mondays and we're going to be yep. covering lagunitas we're actually going to have a lagunitas genza three lagunitas yep. beers including the ipa which everybody wants to clone we have the recipe from lagunitas no kidding all right so uh until then uh, visit our sponsors visit the brew network store pick up a copy of john's uh, seminal work how to brew and get brewing classic styles to give you excellent recipes to brew all these different styles of beer another good book and and it all goes to support the brewing network until then brew strong brew strong everybody